Friends, Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast, your podcast for business support, helping you support your networks and customers better, smarter, and faster. Yes, that was the intro for the show this evening, folks. We are in the midst of Hurricane Ian in 2022. It has missed the South Florida area. I am here in Fort Lauderdale, the storm is currently in the middle of the state, making its way across. And instead of doing a Florida man story today, I thought I would show you what Florida man is doing today. All of those pictures from today across the state of Florida. But tonight, it is not about Florida man. It is about the wonderful, the all-in-one, all-encompassing RMM PSA do almost everything, platform and tool, Synchro. And once again, I am joined by the CEO. You heard her a couple of weeks ago on episode, I believe it was 437. Emily Glass is in the house. Emily, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm glad you're safe. Uh, Thank you very much. And uh, very nice background and Synchro logo, I must say there. And... I had been promoting a special guest, and some of you were able to figure it out, partially because Synchro said it from the very beginning, and I would add the the name as the days went along, but the co-founder and chief channel man, Ian Alexander. Ian, how are you? How's it going? Nice to see you again. It's going good. Now, you also have a fantastic background. Now, is that... The actual 3D octopus that is uh, part of your logo inspiration. Yeah, we got a bunch of new Zoom backgrounds, you know, team. That's our pet. Ian, don't don't underplay it. You know, we have him <laughs> in a big aquarium. We feed him really well. <laughs> He's that color. He's color changing, you know. Oh, okay. 
All right. So we have a naming contest. Actually, we did. We, we named him Uncle Marv. Do you know that he has a name? Uh, you, I believe you said it last time, which I didn't question you on the name because you were you were badgering me. Um, <laughs> but I believe you named him Eight. Yes. Wow. Good memory. I didn't even remember announcing it, and you remember what it is. I'm I'm impressed. You said it. It was brief, but you know, I listen. Wow. First of all, I had to go back through the tape because you accused me of something that I knew I did not say. So if this is how we're starting. <laughs> <laughs> Five minutes in. This is going to be a long hour. Yeah. Yes, it is. So for those of you joining us, uh, this is the live show for the IT Business Podcast. If you head over to itbusinesspodcast.com, you will see that this is both an audio and a video podcast. We are streaming live on YouTube, LinkedIn, and the Facebook. So you can always see us Wednesdays at 8 p.m. or you can catch the show any time after that, because we keep the show on the internet. And as you know, nothing gets erased from the internet. I want to say hello to people joining us from all three networks, including somebody in the chat, Eric Anthony. Hello. So we will go to the chat from time to time if there are questions. And if I have my notes correct, you guys have chosen to stay for a post-show where the harder questions will come that we will not air on the live show when it comes out. So we're game. It's all good. Okay. So I mentioned that we did the show before, uh, Emily, and we basically introduced you to my community. Of course, you've been CEO for, I don't know the exact number, but it's been uh, almost a year and uh, all the things that you've been doing, uh, promoting the brand and talking about the changes and stuff. And of course, Ian, you are one of the co-founders and the reason that this actually exists. So I'm guilty of that. Yes. Yes. And when we last spoke, Ian, because you went into hiding after I went over to Podnuts Pro and uh, after I selected my RMM at the time, SolarWinds, you decided to come up with Synchro and... Uh, Started that. That's not the reason you started Synchro. I just. I I did it for you. (laughs) You did it for me. And it's taken all these years to get me back, right? Yeah. Uh, So, Emily, uh, we introduced you. We talked about some of the changes. Of course, the branding is one of those things that we talked about. And we will talk about some of the other things here coming up on the show. But, Ian, since you're here, uh, why don't you tell us a a little bit about what you've been up to? Yeah. Uh. Okay, so I guess way back when you and I first met, I was CEO of Repair Tech, right? And uh, we had TechSuite and Kabuto. Um, we ended up in 2017 merging with Repair Shopper, and together we launched Synchro. Um, so since then, I've just been working working on Synchro, building that out, um, building the team, um, and it's been a lot of fun. Been uh, learning a lot myself, and. Having fun. Right. Now, what I remember, you were still heavily involved in a lot of the actual coding, engineering, all that stuff. Have you started to step back from that a little bit and handed that off to, you know, the younger, more hungrier kids? Or are you still? Yeah, I'll say it's a it's a um, it's a good thing that I don't write code anymore for everybody. Uh, for me, for our customers, for our team, um, I did. Yeah, I used to be all over the place. I, I, my background is in computer engineering, so 
I did stuff on the Windows side. I did stuff on the website. Um, and then I was also doing like sales, marketing, customer success, all kinds of internal things, product things, lots of stuff. I was doing QA. Um, so yeah, I'm doing a lot less of those things that I shouldn't be doing anymore because I was a I was an okay dev, but I went fast and wasn't that careful. So, <laughs> what were you starting to say there, Emily? Oh, I said he he was doing anything that needed done. Yes. Okay. Isn't yeah. that how all of us uh, get yeah. uh, started? Absolutely. No task too small. That's right, yep. Scrum Master. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I didn't know what kind of show I was going to do. No, but seriously, Ian, Ian, I mean, I, I wasn't there all those years ago, but Ian's really a creative force in the business. Um, obviously, there were other founders, too. So not to not to say that they didn't have an equal part. Everybody, uh, you know, sort of pitched in and we had a great sort of founding team. I hear the stories about those days. Uh, but Ian, you know, continues to be a creative force in the business. He loves interacting with our partners. He knows everything about the product. Um, and uh, he was away for a little leave recently and he came back and it's been like really wonderful to have him back in the business. He's always energetic, optimistic. Um, and, uh, it's, I, I'm enjoying working with him. I don't, I don't know if the feeling's mutual, but <laughs> no, it's mutual. It's been fun. Yeah. I was out on parental leave, um, and came back in a new role. So, uh, I'm in a channel chief role, which is great. Cause I think before I was chief operating officer, which was purposely ambiguous cause I was doing all those things that needed to have happen. Um, channel chief is probably a better title uh, for me just because it's probably more specific to what I should be doing, uh, which is hanging out with folks like you and doing strategic partnerships and all things customer facing. So does that mean, does that mean that we're going to see you out on the road now? Yep. Uh, I, I used to go to conferences, but it was like a very small part of what I did. And I'm going to try to get back to doing that. Um, so, yeah, we just right. that on and I couldn't couldn't make that. But I do plan on being at more conferences and hanging out. Any in the near future that we might want to know about? Um, I don't know yet, but <laughs> okay. I will know. All right. Because I'm, yeah, I'm waiting know, to pick. In general has been more back out on the road. Um, so you mentioned we were at DattoCon. We were at TechCon Unplugged in September. And uh, we have a few other shows coming up towards the end of the year. But still, you know, figuring that out. Maybe, I don't know if Ian will be there. Um, if you want to meet Ian, though, you could tell yourself you might be there. and You should go. <laughs> you should go. I've got a couple of conferences I'm holding that I have, you know, reservation for. So I'll, I may wait to see what that announcement is before I make my choice. Cool. Yeah, are we allowed to reply to chat people? I don't, I can't actually chat. Well, am I allowed to like address? Yeah, address you can address or? them. And yeah. I was gonna, I was, as soon as we got to a nice breaking point, oh, okay. I was gonna address one of these because you, um, we talked about the name, and one of the first questions is why eight? Yeah, so I can answer that, um, because it was my idea. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> there are very few things that, um, I, I, not veto, but I, uh, decide. Wait, wait, wait. You veto? Democrat. Did you veto other names? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> um, but I, I was very passionate about naming the octopus. I think it's had a name, Octo, um, as Ian informed me in the past. It's like kind of a name, I guess. It's a nickname of octopus. It's very unofficial. Um, and with the new logo being sort of the infinity symbol, which represents sort of continuous innovation, continually improving. Uh, we actually named it eight, like the new, the new number eight, like the, uh, like the infinity of, sign sideways. Yeah. Yeah. 
there you go. So there, there's a reference to the logo, and then there's also obviously an octopus has eight tentacles. So um, there's a bit of. Can I ask what names you vetoed? Oh, I don't remember. They, that's how. <laughs> Doesn't Ollie, really matter, does it? Because he was a finalist. I didn't really like. I kind of wanted a gender gender neutral name. Um, okay. Was was kind of important. Uh, and yeah, Ollie. We had Norton. No, my kids wanted it to be. Yeah, Norton, Norton was a no go. No, Norton. So. Norton didn't sound right at all. Yeah. All right, and we have listeners coming in from Scotland, Pittsburgh, and a kudos to you, Emily. I hope that's not for naming the octopus eight. <laughs> or for vetoing. Like <laughs> for, I was saying, I don't. I don't usually. Um, I'm. I'm quite democratic, but. For the octopus. sometimes for things that just need to get done, I'm like, <laughs> didn't sound democratic <laughs> at all. <laughs> all right. Usually, usually, I'm I'm a bit more. No, nervous. Emily's Emily doesn't veto many things. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, Ian, why don't we start the show with uh, telling us about some of the things that are kind of up and coming with Synchro? And of course, I had to tell Emily, you know, last show that I I watch from afar. And I keep notes because I keep waiting for the right time to possibly make that jump. So let's let's get gun ho with some of the things that might tip the tip the odds. Yeah, I mean, for those of folks that like haven't heard from us in a little while, we've been busy continually uh, releasing new stuff, and all that's just based on MSP feedback. So um, over the last year, uh, one of the big things was policy inheritance. We had a pretty simple policy inheritance. Um, feature set that needed a lot more robustness and we completely revamped that and it's pretty awesome. Um, and so we released that. That was really cool. Uh, new Mac agent. Um, additionally, we dramatically expanded OS patching. So before you couldn't block patches, for example, you couldn't block certain categories. Uh, the reporting wasn't good enough. So we improved OS patching and I think now it pretty much can compete with anybody. So that feels pretty good. Um, enhanced VAT. So VAT, for the folks in the UK, uh, VAT was uh, not ideal. So we improved that and released that to the UK. And we're also going to roll that out to some other locales, New Zealand, Australia, et cetera, soon. So that's cool. Solving some problems there on the invoicing side for those folks. Um, a couple other things. Uh, we like to pride ourselves on releasing things often based on feedback from folks. So we just have made sure that we've had a regular cadence of what we call delighters, um, which are small little features that make a big difference. Um, so uh, have just had a regular cadence of those and you can check those out on our website. Um, also one of the big changes, I think uh, just with especially a lot of influence from marketing folks, but then also product, et cetera, is we're trying to tell the community a little bit more often about what we're working on. So one example of that is we have what we call the Synchro Skimmer, which is a newsletter that we send out once a month, um, has industry news, but also just some updates from us. Um, so trying to make it easier to say in the know about what's going on. We do one of the things in the past, like this, like this flip side of the coin is like we release things often and quickly, but then people are like, I didn't know you even released that. So we're trying to balance out the, the release cadence with also keeping people informed. Um, so we have a new synchro official community forum, for example, 
uh, where we post announcements. And that way there's some, there is a Facebook group and there's a Reddit subreddit, but some people don't want to be on those social media platforms. So we now have an official uh, community forum that's hosted on discourse um, that anybody can join and hang out. We post announcements there as well. Um, Yeah. So new branding, which we've been talking about. That's a lot of fun, a lot better. Uh, And then releasing a lot of new resources on our website. So there's now a whole resource hub on the website that's helpful for MSPs, all kinds of interesting, interesting information there that hopefully helps them grow their business, solve problems, et cetera, that we hope to continue to add to. So that's all stuff like we've shipped already. Um, there's a lot of other smaller things. Those are some of the things that I thought okay. people would highlight. So you talked about getting out this information of when you get stuff released, you should tell people. And, yeah. you know, I just found out, I don't know, two weeks ago that you guys did the OS patching. Yeah. But understand that that's actually been out for a few months. Yeah, it's been out for a little while. Um, and it's been going really well. So that, that's been a big, big release. Uh, so how many things do you think have been released that people are just now finding out about? Because here's the th- here's the reason I'm asking the question. Of course, yeah. you know, we always hear you know, MSPs and companies are always looking to find, you know, I got to lower my cost and, you know, my clients cut back during COVID. So I got to cut back. And, you know, Synchro was one of the products that people, I believe the right word is ditched to come to Synchro uh, to save money and stuff. But now they're looking at, okay, I need this and I need that. And this integration isn't there. So maybe I want to jump ship or something, but there may be some stuff that's out there that, People just don't know. And you know, like me, I don't have the product. So it's not like I can say, oh, yeah, go here. Yeah, I think that there is a tremendous amount in the platform that goes underutilized in just because people don't necessarily know it's there or they haven't gotten into the platform enough to figure it out. Um, I, I see I keep track of what all, all the questions people ask, like on Facebook, Reddit, wherever. And I see a lot of questions that are like, how do I do this? Or I, I realized I couldn't do this in Synchro, but they actually can. So we've been doing a good job of, I think, updating KBs and trying to get better at release notes and stuff like that. I, I think in the in the in recent times, we've gotten a lot better at that. I think it's more like the stuff we released like three years ago. That's the stuff people don't know about. Okay. But it's been in the platform for a long time, if that makes sense. It, it does. Now, I think one of the things too, so for me, and, and I'll be completely open and honest, one of the things that I looked at when I, you know, every year I go through a process where I do look at stuff. I don't just make a change whenever, but I look at the fact that I like the product having as much built in as possible. And a lot of what Synchro has done is integrated with a lot of stuff, even though that, even though you have an RMM and a PSA together, which is probably the core of most stuff. There's a lot of other features that are really just, you know, integrations or add-ons. So you're going to go to a different portal and stuff like that. So I assume that that's one of those big questions that comes up all the time is, you know, are you going to bake any of these things into Synchro? Yeah. And it's like kind of question, classic question of like build, buy, or integrate. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like the core stuff, which you mentioned, RMM, PSA, that kind of thing, and the magic in between the two. Um, and that's where we typically definitely invest a lot of our time. There are some things that don't make any sense for us to build, right? Like I wouldn't build an antivirus 
that's just not our core competency, right? There's a lot of great antiviruses out there. We can integrate with those. So sometimes it, it's, it's very clear, like we would not build an antivirus. And then there's, you know, some gray area and we have to figure that out. But a lot of the time, if it's just core PSA, RMM stuff, we probably should build that. So we've got a question already in the chat that I was going to try to wait and ask, but I'll bring it up here since we talked about that. As an MSP that is heavily invested in our PSA already, I'm interested, I'm still interested in alternative RMMs. How well does your RMM integrate with the other major PSAs? You want should I take this one? Yeah, you take it. No, no. <laughs> um, we don't. She said all the hard questions go to you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, my personal view is that the older way of doing things, like the traditional way in the past was like separate RMM, separate PSA, and then you integrate the two, right? But um, the way Synchro is built is as one platform from the ground up. It, it doesn't really make a ton of sense to use it with a separate PSA or a separate RMM because you lose a lot of the magic um, that you get by having all of that data in one place. There are a lot of products out there on the market that only exist because the RMM and the PSA are separate. And you don't really need those things when you have them in one place. Um, so as an example, like a lot of the billing stuff you can do in Synchro with automated reconciliation and stuff, because we we know, okay, here's all the RMM agents you have. Here's what's installed on all those computers. You want to bill against, say, Office 365 or... I don't know, really any antivirus that's on the computer, any installed program, that data is all in there and you can just automate the the recurring invoices and update the quantities and all of that stuff. So there's a lot of really cool things you get by having that in one place. Um, So we are not really the right solution, I think, if you want a separate RMM. Yeah, I was going to I was going to sort of echo that and say um, that, you know, for for Jesse, that it's actually a debate or a, a topic that we debate internally every so often, um, because we do know that there are people out there that do have the separate products and would probably uh, pick Synchro for their PSA or their RMM if we could somehow bundle it separately. Uh, And so far, yeah, we've come to the same conclusion every time this comes up that no, we really don't want to uh, decouple them and that the magic is, as Ian said, sort of with having the two together. Um, and that's really um, the, one of the core values that Synchro offers. Uh, of course, we do have people that, that use Synchro and other tools and, and find that Synchro kind of complements something or allows them to have a backup tool or like a second, they have a secondary tool and, and Synchro is their primary tool. So we do have people that are using multiple RMMs, for example, Synchro and maybe something else as well for different use cases. But um, yeah, we don't, we don't really... Uh, have any integrations off the shelf other than, you know, to ourselves and the fact that like it's one platform. Yeah. Well, it was kind of true back when you started this, Ian, there weren't many other tools that were actually integrated PSA RMM together. So that was one of the benefits of going with your product for, you know, a little bit of investment. You could have the best of both worlds per se, at least integrated in one package. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and that's still t- true today. I mean, I think, you know, the, the other thing about, but besides the functionality and the fact that they're tightly integrated is just sort of the um, the unique pricing and, and sort of the package that we're able to offer. So it is by user, it's unlimited endpoints. Um, and so we're really sort of focused on the value that every person um, and that your business is getting out of Synchro rather than like counting how many instances or how many, thing, you know, how many endpoints or how many, 
this or that, tickets, whatever other things um, you're using, uh, we really try to grow with an MSP and make it a really affordable platform to start with if you're just starting out uh, as, as one user and then growing with you as you add and grow your business. So, um, you know, that, that's another advantage to having the two things and the platform that kind of does it all for you. All right. So I'm going to pull up a question that I did prep you for, so I don't want you to sound surprised, but I'm going to, I'm going to go to my, uh, I'm going to go to the message that got sent to me that, uh, let's see, where is it? While you're doing that, I'll just fill, I'll, I'll fill the time for you. Like we, okay. like we planned, Mark. Um, and I'll just say that, you know, you, you played the, the Florida videos at the opener and I just wanted to, you know, uh, express that for whoever's watching, whether it's live or, or taped that, you know, we have a lot of partners in the area. We have a lot of employees that live in the Florida area who are hunkered down and um, going through the storm right now and sort of our, our thoughts and wishes go out to them. Hope, hopefully they're safe and are they're in a safe spot for the time being and their family and friends are safe and it's a, it's a tough time to go through, um, but we hope everybody sort of makes it through okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a scary time for us at Synchro. We have uh, we have some team members there as well, so we, we know what it's like. But um, yeah, just wanted to put that out there. All right. Thank you for that. So here are the questions. I got two. And the first one, verbatim, when can we expect an upgrade to their 1990s looking UI? They seem to be updating everything, but the stuff we have to stare at eight hours a day. First of all, the 1990s were a really good year, right, Ian? <laughs> For like a decade, yeah. I should say. <laughs> yeah. Jordan Bulls. Oh, no. There's a lot of, I like about the 90s. Oh, yeah. you went with the Bulls reference there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they won six of six of the ten, so. Um, yeah. Um, well, yeah, you go, Ian. <laughs> This is okay. working well for us. All right. So um, first of all, I'm a little upset that they didn't call it clunky because that's what most <laughs> people okay. um, Yeah, I, I will fully admit that the UI can use a lot of a lot of work. Um, we recently hired quite a few people who are UI UX specialists, and we have every intention of putting a lot of work into that. Um, as I think like any entrepreneur can or like just business owner can know it's like matter of resources. Right. And I feel like there were a lot of other things that were up next and a higher priority than the UI uh, up until now. You know, I mean, I would argue OS patching, for example, is a lot more important. If you can't keep your clients patches up to date and do that well and not cause them outages, like who cares what the UI looks like? So I think there have been a series of more important things UI is obviously important. People are living in the application every day. We want to make that a joyous uh, experience. Um, but it's felt like there were higher priority things before that. Um, now it's feeling like, yeah, we should do a lot of stuff with UI UX. So we have already publicly said that we're going to start working on that. I gathered some early adopter volunteers who, to kind of look at some of the stuff we're working on. So that stuff's coming. Um, and I'm sorry that you've had to live with it, uh, for this long. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because when I was considering joining Synchro and, and, you know, signed up for a free trial myself, uh, uh, early last year, I was playing around with the product. I actually kind of liked the UI, although I can recognize that it does look, you know, dated and it's not a place that we've invested a ton, like Ian says in the past, um, in, in terms of engineering, um, it's functional and as like a control F kind of girl, 
I kind of actually appreciated that it was very text-based and kind of easy to navigate. And so I kind of um, liked that and was just impressed with the depth of functionality. Um, however, we do we do have factions um, or different sort of points of view on this, even in our own partner base or prospects, you know, as we're talking to them. Some people are like, great, it's really easy. Like, yeah, I can look around, I, you know, and I, they don't, they, they love that we didn't spend engineering time on that and that we're building other stuff. And then there's definitely a, a contingent that, um, you know, finds it not as pretty uh, as maybe some alternatives. I think where we led is like, we want it to be functional. And that's where I think, you know, we're going to focus. Yes, yes, we'll make it prettier uh, as we go. But really, like, is it usable? Is it consistent? Um, are the, um, the, the, the um, interactions sort of consistent across the different pages? Does the sort make sense? Those are the kinds of feedback that I hear that I really want to um, fix because those are the things that cost partners time, right? Um, where we invested uh, uh, design resources in like the logo and the brand, that, that was like where I think we invested our time, a little bit more time to make it pretty without engineering, right? Um, and now that now that we're getting around to the UI UX and the product, I think you're going to see a lot more just consistency, ease of use focus. I don't think you'll see like like the prettiest UI out there, or at least that's not my goal when we when we look at improving that, although it will definitely improve. Well, as somebody who likes to do a good presentation and I know I look good pulling off the purple and doing the hair just nice, sometimes it's all about not just function, but speed as well. And I like a UI that is fast, intuitive, and works. And if it gets slowed down because the checkboxes have to be ovals and stuff like that, that would annoy me more. So my two cents, even though I'm not using it. Thanks. Someday. We'll take that under consideration. And no comments on the on the shirt at all. Okay. I see how we are. <laughs> okay. Let me get to question two that uh, this person asked. When can we expect single sign-on and IP whitelisting? Simple security steps that a lot of people feel this platform is missing. Now, I don't know what he means by a lot of people, but again, I read it word for word. You or me? You go. Uh, yeah. Um, we've been talking about it. We want to do it. It's it's like on the probably like short list. Short list for the roadmap. So definitely an issue um, in terms of like lots of people asking for it. And we're seeing a lot of folks needing that kind of thing. And security is important. So now am I understanding that they're talking about when you're, you're doing the integrations, if you're going to one dashboard to the other, is that what they're talking about? Or is there something more specific? Basically right now, when you go sign up for Synchro account, you create a Synchro account. You can't do the like login via Office 365 or login via Gmail okay. or that kind of thing. And if we enabled them to do that, then there are a couple cool things. Number one, it gives them all kinds of security controls over in that other solution. So say Office 365, you could do all the IP whitelisting and all kinds of crazy stuff because that would be your login method, right? Um, and so you you get immediately all kinds of security measures through your office subscription. Um, so that's that's the main benefit. Uh, obviously, it's a little easier. You just click a button. You don't have to enter your password again. Right. But that's lesser. So the value. okay, Emily, you got anything more technical to add to that? Um, no, I think I'm good. <laughs> okay. I think so. All right. So 
I'm just checking the chat here. No questions there. So let's move on to, we talked about new releases and we were going to have some screen sharing time. Do we actually have anything to screen share? Is there anything that looks pretty enough to bring on the screen? Um, I mean, we, we, we could, but you know, we didn't want to like give a sales demo, you know, okay. it's not really our shtick. Um, so we're happy to, happy to, um, happy to show you stuff if you have questions or if there are questions about particular, uh, particular features we talked about. Um, we could talk about what we are working on now. Um, so well, before you do that, we let me, about what we released, but we can talk about what's in progress. Well, let me do this. Let me ask a question first that I wasn't quite sure. Uh, I had heard you uh, maybe a month ago talking about making the change from Hirodu to AWS. Yeah. And for some reason, I didn't catch that entire conversation. So I wanted to ask you what exactly happened that made you guys want to make that change? Because I'll be honest, AWS doesn't really stand out to me as something you want to build on if you want to be fast and robust and change because you're tied to the Microsoft ecosystem. But I may be wrong, and you'll tell me why, right? Yeah. Sure. So I'll start. You you add. How about that? Okay. Yeah. So I think, you know, we've been on uh, – Heroku has been our home for a little while. I think it's a great platform for – startup to start out. It's got a lot of tools, a lot of built-in abstractions. It makes things really easy to get started with. Uh, the flip side of that, that's, that's kind of the pro. The con is as you grow and as Synchro's grown, we've grown a lot. Uh, we kind of started to stretch the limits of scale on Heroku and also control, right? So what you what you gain in sort of abstraction and ease over time, you actually want to get in and have more control and, and tune and, and more settings and, and you kind of can't do that. So we basically outgrew um, our original turtle shell, if you will. And it was time to sort of uh, upgrade and get a new shell that would allow us to um, just grow just the traffic, the amount of data that we have on the platform um, for one thing. And then secondly, have all sort of the security controls, configuration, the settings, the optimization, all of that to give ourselves like a home that we could grow into long-term. So um, from a, like a vendor lock-in perspective, or, you know, is it a Microsoft issue? Um, I don't think our, like our partners won't really see a difference in terms of functionality. Like there's no restrict new restrictions that comes with this from our partner's perspective. This really is just a cloud hosting um, decision that we've made for the longevity of Synchro that allows us to grow, we really were um, reaching the limits of Heroku. So it wasn't even really so much a choice to stay or go. Uh, we had to go. Uh, it was time, it was beyond time. And uh, we've already seen performance improvements as a result of the work we've done so far um, there. Uh, and we're excited to sort of continue to grow into that. And I don't know, Ian, if you wanted to add anything more. Yeah, I mean, I guess that was a good summary. The only thing I'd add is that Heroku is built on top of AWS anyway. Yeah. And so it basically you're like, if you were to be a startup and you were to go pay Heroku, you'd basically be paying a little bit extra to get them to basically be your DevOps team. But then you don't get full functionality in AWS. So it's cool when you're early stage because you don't have to worry about like patching a server or I don't know, that kind of thing. Um, they take care of that. It's like managed hosting. It's maybe a good analogy. Um uh, but as we've scaled, it's just a huge hindrance. So uh, moving to AWS, which hosts 33% of the internet or something like that, um, which is even more than like Azure, which I think is only 21%. Uh, 
Um, so yeah, AWS is pretty much the de facto standard for any kind of large scale engineering uh, application. So we just have all the options at that point uh, and the scalability. So. All right. Well, that makes sense to me now. Because if, if you'd have just said, well, Heroku is a layer on top of AWS and we're just removing the layer so we can go direct, that would made perfect sense. There you go. Yep. Should have explained it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a simple kind of guy. Um, all right. Well, so go ahead, Ian. Tell us what's new and what we should be looking forward to. So the Heroku to AWS migration is a big one. Okay. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. Should see some 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 of the impacts that users will see immediately are performance improvements. So you should see some of the pages load faster, for example. Um, but then all kinds of like long term stability, scalability. Will it'll make it easier for us to have observability, so we can see when an issue is happening, what's happening, and why. That kind of thing will be a lot easier. On it. Um, we're working on some cool stuff with ticketing, so rich text. Uh, and images. So it'll make the um, ticketing experience a lot better, both for the end user and for technicians. Um, Customer and technician efficiency reports. So reporting is one of the things that larger MSPs continually ask for more of because they want more insights into what's going on in their business. Um, And so we've got customer and technician efficiency reports coming out, which should be really, really cool. Do you have examples of those you could show? Mm, okay. <laughs> Maybe. I knew there's, there was a 50 50 chance. There's a left turn. <laughs> Come back to me in a second. I will see if I have examples. Uh-huh. You thought the audience was going to put you on the spot and said it was me. Uh, it's fine. Um, yeah, I'll see if I have an example I can show. All right. Um, so while you're doing that, Emily and I will just chat amongst ourselves. Go for it. <laughs> oh, he wasn't. He wasn't done with the list. So you know, when, when, whenever you. Find oh, do you want to do you want to continue the list while you? Oh, I can continue the list. Okay. For that. All right. Go for it, Emily. Okay. Yeah. So I know you were you were starting to say we have Stripe HCA ACH support coming out, um, as well as reporting this the solution that we did for that for the UK for our Australia New Zealand. Uh, friends, we have partners all over the world, so we want to make their VAT experience better as well. Um, like we said, we're focused on also UI UX improvements, so you'll see those rolling out over over the rest of the year. And you know, we continue to focus. We, we're doing the Heroku migration, you know, to AWS, but also um, just platform reliability improvements. Beyond that, there are some uh, some some issues that have been reported over time that we really really want to like clear up and make sure that the platform is 100% reliable. Uh, we don't love it when our partners have to create tickets or have to wonder if you know something worked or not. Uh, that is um, not not a sustainable way to operate. So we need to um, make sure that they can trust the platform 100%. So we're, we're investing a lot in sort of the platform stability and reliability going forward. Did you find something, Ian? Did I talk long enough? Should I talk? I have longer? I have like something, but it's the data is not perfect in the demo account. Mm. But. It's okay. It's up to you. Just uh, if you want to throw it in the share button, I uh, can add it in here. All right, here. Um, Okay. Can you see this? I can see it, and we're bringing it up now. All right. So this is an example. Um, This is a demo account that our sales team uses, so it's, you know, not perfect. But um, as an example here, you can see ticket efficiency by technician. So I can sort by technician or by ticket type. 
Um, and then I can sort it by different measures of efficiency over a certain amount of time. Um, so I can see like company averages. And if I wanted to just only filter for certain things, like I didn't want to include project work, for example, um, I could just see the averages there and how long each technician is taking per ticket. Um, pretty simple, straightforward, and yeah, easy to easy to look at. Yeah, and I think I think the theme too throughout everything that we've talked about, both the things we've already shipped this year, um, and then the things that are to come um, this year, like the rest of the year going into next, are all prioritized based on partner feedback. Um, so you know, this report, for example, is something that our partners were asking for. They wanted to be able to monitor, like, what are my techs doing? Where are they spending their time? What could I maybe like? And then that'll give them ideas of where I could uh, imp- uh, focus and improve a process or coach somebody, get them a skill, whatever. Um, same thing with this um, customer report that Ian is about to talk about. These are all sort of um, requests coming directly from our partners, and that's how we prioritize our work. So maybe again, that's why something like UI UX is, uh, you know, doesn't get maybe always the top focus is because half of our partners don't care about that and half do. And so you know, it's a constant uh, struggle. It might not always uh, rise to number one when we're thinking about. What we're all right, I'm going to touch this guy back. UI UX doesn't matter. exactly what i said um ux definitely matters well okay Um, so ian you you stopped sharing the screen but i saw one of the comments that i got and it wasn't an official question but somebody was talking about the reports wasn't robust enough and i don't and i didn't i couldn't get an answer as to what they meant by that meaning was there not enough reports or were they not, you know, oh, you just took it down again. <laughs> I was about ready well, to click I'll show it. you. I mean, I can talk to it for a second. I okay. Mean, I think that over the last couple of years, we've released so many more reports. Reports are a funny thing where short of like Power BI and having a full BI platform, everybody kind of wants a slightly different thing. Right. So it's a little bit like whack-a-mole. It's like you build a new report and then people are like, ah, but I want this report. Right. So we've been trying to make the new reports that we release a lot more flexible. So you can see, for example, in those two reports, that there's a lot of ways to look at it. Um, I can show you another example. Well, I like the fact that when you brought it up, there's so many checkboxes that they can kind of get the information they're looking for by making yeah. the proper selection, I think. But Yeah, so like this is a good example, the Executive Summary Report Builder. So you can, um, you can basically... I'm trying to think if there's getting on the demo account exactly all the customers, but you can completely customize with a template all the different um, things that you want to put in the executive summary report. And before we just had kind of a default uh, listing. And so you couldn't modify what all of these different sections were. And now there's like complete customization of what exactly is showing. And okay, if this data is zero, I don't want to show this little portlet. So we've done a lot of work to make the reports better over the last couple of years. Um, So if you haven't looked at the reports recently, there are a couple like the internal report builder, the executive summary report builder, this audit report, quite a few of them are pretty powerful. And I, and I think you can do a lot. So, um, Asset audit report is one of my favorite. You can completely customize um, what is in this table and you can 
figure it out by type. So I can just run a report here and you can see all kinds of things. Um, so, and it's again, customizable. So you can do whatever you need to do. Okay. Well, I'm going to say this right now. You just got two oohs out of me because my current executive report cannot be customized and my asset report cannot be customized. That's huge. I think. Yep. I mean, we're, we're, we're making our way through it. Uh, again, people are like, you should have this report. So <laughs> we build it. So we've made a lot of progress. All right. Well, not perfect, but I think one of better. your big fans and my friend, uh, of the MSP unplugged fame and the TechCon unplugged conference, Paco LeBron said the report is slick with Thanks, a, Paco. Uh, Thanks, Paco. the strong bicep showing there. Um, Jesse just asked a question. I think we were talking about the reports. You mentioned, you know, Power BI, and they asked, how about enabling, enabling integration with Power BI? Is that even an option? I'd have no idea. I've, I've looked at Power BI once, and I said that's not for me. Yeah, um, it's an option. Uh, it will take a little bit. So currently, you could technically do that. We have a public API. You could ingest the data from our API into Power BI. We have customers that have done that before. Um, so it's been done. You can do it. It's not easy in the sense that you have to be comfortable with an API. You have to kind of do some manual work there. It is possible for us to make that easier. Um, we haven't done it yet. Uh, we really want it. Power BI is not for everybody. I, I think you probably alluded to that just now. It's pretty powerful, but it's also a little bit of a learning curve. Yes. So we wanted to make sure that our native reports were up to par. And then if at some point, you know, we want to use some external BI platform to uh, make it so people can build all the craziest dashboards and reports, that's definitely an option in the future. All right. And this this maybe goes back to like you're at, you know people asking for more reports asking for I mean I know Jesse's not asking for it but he's kind of asking about it um, and some of the maybe the UI stuff too. This comes back to me like we have a wide uh, we have we have a lot of MSPs and we really try to keep the platform sort of ha to have like a breadth of functionality but simple because we know a lot of systems out there especially if they're like two products integrated together. There's a lot of complexity there. There's a lot of like hidden things. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of time investment to like get them to work for you. And we really um, try to be deliberate about what we do add to the platform. And when we add it, making sure that people can use it easily um, and quickly. So, um, you know, I think some of the reports that configuration Ian shows sort of demonstrate that. Um, and that's kind of an approach that we want to continue to have as well. So sometimes it's like, well, we could add this really complex, advanced, or this tool that's really advanced, but that's not really what our general partner base is looking for. Um, right now, they're looking for like ease of implementation. Let me get started quickly. Do, do a lot of the work for me because um, I've got other stuff to do. So. That's what I would be. I'd be like, look, you do it and I'll tell you if it works for me or not. Yeah. Uh, let me ask, who's got the dog that wants to join the show? Me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear the baby? I, I couldn't tell if it was a dog or a baby. I I, I thought it was a bark. If so you thought it was a dog, it was a dog. Okay. The baby definitely sounds like a baby. <laughs> Your wife's not going to like it. you saying that. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's fine. She, she, would, she would agree. Okay. Um, we have two dogs, so they're... They're in a room. Okay. Somewhere. All right. 
So let me ask this because Emily and I kind of danced around the idea that I would take a look at Synchro here soon. But are are you in a position where it would be better for me to like jump in now knowing that there's a bunch of changes coming or should it be like, Marv, you're, you're a pretty, you know, savvy MSP and you may want to wait until Christmas time to take a look at this. Mm, I don't, I don't really know. Like- I mean, it might depend a little bit on your requirements, but you know, given the rundown of the stuff that's coming, I'm, I don't think there's anything, I mean, nothing you know earth that, shattering, but- nothing mind blowing. Yeah. And, and like, we don't, we don't, you know, you don't have to like backport anything or re-implement anything when we launch functionality. I mean, we have over 4,000 partners on the platform. So um, we've gotten, you know, we, we, we approach releases with the mindset that like people have implemented these features and we can't break them and we can't make them do work to adopt or change um, for something new. So um, generally speaking, you'll get the new functionality and you can decide if you want to take advantage of it or not, or um, like, it just goes out and kind of, you know, it, uh, it it's something that everybody wants and is just, well, you know, uh, happy to have. So we don't really have that concern. All right. I, I wouldn't say you should wait. You could just look at the platform. You should have your, your list of requirements. You, you should make sure it works for you and it has, you know, what you need. Okay. I'd like you to update with QuickBooks on the fly. Can you do that? <laughs> yeah. That ain't happening. Right. We have, we, have a integration. we have a QuickBooks integration. What do you need with QuickBooks? Oh, I have an old desktop integration, and I don't know. I'm just you use QuickBooks desktop. Yes, we support that. Oh, you do? I didn't think so. I was, I thought it was just QuickBooks Online, like everybody else. Both. Okay. Check oh, another box. I'll have to is dig this deeper. A, is this a demo again? You tried to get a demo on the last call we had. <laughs> Listen, I'm not. If I wanted a demo, I would tell you. <laughs> All right. I'm just asking questions because I get a chance to ask. We may not talk yeah. again for another year or five. It's true. Well, when you become Hopefully. a customer, we're going to be talking uh-huh. way more often than that. All right. Well, I'm going to talk to Paco LeBron and uh, okay. see what he says, and he'll bring me on board. We love Paco. All right. So is there anything – that we skipped over my my thought was to go back and say what is like the top thing that you introduced three years ago that people are just finding out about since you said that um i think every once in a while people rediscover how powerful our scripting module is okay i I, our scripting module is pretty crazy i heard that was big I've heard, well, and, well, that's from newer MSPs, I should say. People that have just switched over said they love the scripting. So yeah. it's, it's, so, the, it's the veterans that may not think about that, right? Don't say it, Emily. Yeah, Don't say I it. Mean, it might be, I, mean, I mean, I think it, it applies to any MSP, right? It's just a matter of have they stumbled across or have they, have they needed to investigate and find, find that, the depth of that functionality in the platform. So it could be someone who's been with us for a while and just never ventured. Uh, into that area, or it could be a newer MSP who has the the skills to to navigate that and wants to dive deeper. So, yeah, I'd say I'd say the two things are the are scripting and our dynamic billing. Mm-hmm. Those are the two features that I think everyone should fully understand how they work because I see a lot of folks that don't implement it and they they're doing a lot of manual work when it can all be automated and it's it's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I think the scripting is something you might miss. And I think the dynamic billing is something maybe almost people assume we don't have or like it's not possible um, or they're not like expecting it. So they don't really take advantage of it. Um, And it, yeah, it does save a lot of time. Okay, so I'm trying to Google real fast so I don't have to ask, but I'm going to have to ask. What exactly do you mean by dynamic billing? All right, I'll show you. Okay. I'm I'm not asking for a demo. Uh, Okay. So, um, okay, so I've got a recurring invoice here. So I'm an MSP and I'm trying to bill a client on, say, a monthly basis for a bunch of different services, right? So I can add a line item to, so the normal way is you'd add a standard line item. And this is just a manual thing. So let's say I want to bill for like office, um, like office 365 or something. And I'm going to charge like $50 per, or like say $10 an endpoint or something like that. And I've got a hundred endpoints. So great. I can add that to the template. But now, like, let's say I have a customer that, okay, they add another endpoint. Well, now I have to remember to go in here and update that from 100 to 101. Or I overbill them and because they fired somebody or something like that. So instead, we have these different dynamic counters. So one is an asset counter. So I could say office, or what's a better example here that we already have in here? Um... Sure. Bitdefender. So let's say I have Bitdefender in here and I want to bill based on how many people have that. Well, I can go and use what we call asset save searches. So in the save searches, I can say, I want to count how many assets are there that have this application installed or that are on this operating system or all kinds of things, right? You can basically build a whole filter. And then I can go in here and I can bill against that. So we have has Bitdefender, right? Right. So now I go and add that to the template. And now what it's going to do is automatically update this quantity when the invoice is generated. So I never have to worry about, am I billing for the right number? Ah. Right? Yep. Um, and we have all kinds of things like that. Customer contacts counter, for example, is how many contacts, how many, how many employees work at that business? So if you build per seat as opposed to like per endpoint, then... Um, you could use that and it's automatically going to count how many employees they have. Um, so all kinds of things you could build based on per policy. So how many endpoints do they have that are in this particular policy? So there's all kinds of stuff here that basically automates the work of doing the billing um, and saves a bunch of time. Okay. So nice. Sweet. Sorry. I'm, I'm thinking of things right off the top of my head where I could use he's that. Adjusting, he's calculating his new <laughs> synchro bill and trying to figure out when's he going to migrate. Is it going to be over? Well, that and over. I had looked at uh, getting away from QuickBooks, but now I don't have to. So I even mean, though. probably should do the QuickBooks online. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody already said that earlier. I just didn't want to respond. So. <laughs> <So>. <sighs> All right. Well, folks, we are coming up to the top of the hour. So I want to. Uh, be mindful of your time and thank you for joining. And we are going to do a post show. So for those of you watching, stay tuned uh, through the exit that we do here and uh, see if there's any other questions that come up, we can ask them and entertain them in the posts. So Emily glass Ian Alexander, thank you guys very much. Thank you.
All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the IT Business Podcast. Head over to itbusinesspodcast.com for all past podcast blogs, and hit the follow page and select your favorite podcatcher or to be notified when we go live here on YouTube, Facebook, or LinkedIn. And pod, oh, that was a slip, wasn't it? Uh, the ID Business Podcast is brought to you by NetAlly, your ally for network diagnostics in the channel. And the live stream is sponsored by Computers Done Right. And they are a company that is here in Southwest Florida, and they were just below where Ian made landfall. So we will have to check in on them tomorrow. I think that he already marked himself safe in his business. So uh, we hope that they're doing well. That is going to do it for this episode. Tune in again next week. And until then, holla.